0: What's good, everybody, man? It's big game. James, my dog, DDP. Look at him sipping on his drink. You know what I'm saying? From the Dallas prospect, we here again. You know how we do, man. We talking Mavericks. We talking Cowboys. We talking all those good things. First, you know we always going to start off with the Mavericks. Going to talk about my Cowboys because, you know, I'm heading down to training camp, DDP, and I'm going to be out there like the first week of August. So, you know, I'm going to get all that good film, all that good stuff. So we're going to jump in my mind a little bit and get my thoughts before we head to camp. But you know what? Mavs is still in the the air. Jalen Brunson has been really big in the air. And uh, the Mavs locking them up or the Mavs going to do anything else. You feel me, big dog? I need to know because I looked at a little bit of stuff, but you gave me some in-depth detail, intel about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of let me know what's going on with that, uh, big dog.
1: Yeah, the, the Jalen Brunson situation is interesting. Like, we've seen any number of reports essentially saying anything from, hey, he's already kind of told f- current and former teammates. And when I hear former teammates, I'm thinking, like, guys, he played with – uh previous years with the Mavericks, but also even guys he played with at Villanueva, obviously. Or I said Villanueva, Charlie Villanueva. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Maverick, great flamethrower, Charlie Villanueva. Villanova.
0: I I, I could see where you did it because I felt you when you did it. So all good. Charlie Villanueva. I mean, yeah, it's good. It works perfect. For, for, the, for the
1: record, this is cream soda, not beer. But no one's going to believe oh, me man. now. Hey, nobody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, lie, he um, on
0: air. He lying. He lying. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, including former Villanova teammates, um, basically that it's a done deal, him coming back to Dallas. And I, I'm... Ninety nine point nine percent certain of it. Like I know he shit ain't going nowhere, dog. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, I like I know shit has gone south in the sideway uh, in the past. Like somebody brought up, like, well, DeAndre Jordan, uh you know, went back on his agreement. I'm like, first of all, DeAndre he wasn't Jordan, a player, right, right right, 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 but like, yeah, more than more than that, not just that he wasn't a player for Dallas, and it's literally the polar opposite situation. But in that comparison. He was, was Jalen Brunson leaving Dallas to go elsewhere to be something he had never been before and wasn't probably capable of being, no disrespect to Jalen with the prospect of New York, but it's just like, it's not the same. It's, it's not at all the fit. And Dallas in 2015, they ended up cobbling together an interesting, or no, 2015. So that was after the second go around with Tyson. That next team, the best thing they put together was Harrison Barnes. Only Mm -hmm. because Kevin Durant (laughs) goes uh, goes to Golden State. So it's like, yeah, it's not at all the same. Dallas was nowhere near a contender, whereas the Clippers still at least entertain the idea that they might be capable of doing something. So Mm -hmm. it's it's not remotely the same. But I mean, here's the thing with Brunson in New York that I look at. I know New York's trying to clear out twenty five million dollars. Uh, and cap space for him. Hey, that's great. I know they hired his dad as an assistant coach. Hey, that's great. One, I don't think he wants to go play for his dad. Two, the the other two predominant players for them, their other two primary players are both ball dominant, meaning he's going to have to be like the third option here in Dallas. He's number 2 and he knows his fit here. Sometimes you can fit somewhere and you think like, oh, well maybe the grass can be greener elsewhere. You don't know how you're going to be utilized there. You don't know how you're going to fit there. Plus the New York audience, they're going to tear him apart. It doesn't matter. Even if he goes there and he performs better than he did last year with Dallas, if New York sucks, he's going to be saddled with the blame. Cause they're going to look at him and be like, Oh, we spent all this money on Jalen Brunson and always putting up his hollow stats. He's not getting us into the playoffs. He's not doing all this shit. Like that's how they're going to look at it. It doesn't do Jalen any good to go to New York. Like he has won everywhere he's ever been multiple times state champion in high school, multiple time, uh, national champion in college player of the year. Now he's finally with a Mavericks team that's contending in which he has evolved into the second best player of a deep playoff run team. Why would he leave potentially for, a, a f- what, like three or $4 million more per year with New York? And by the way, that's, If Dallas, for some reason, was just like, "Mm, what if you took like twenty three or twenty four or twenty two or twenty three million per year instead of twenty five? Dallas has already said and we know they have the ability to give him more than anyone else. It's not a conversation. If Dallas wants to pay him, they can give him uh, they can give him basically a max if they wanted to. I wouldn't, but they could give him easily they more than the four for 25
0: home max, no yeah.
1: i know i'm just saying like right, right right new york can give them four for 25 dallas can easily beat that if they want to and i think that they would be willing to so it's just like it to me it's a non-starter there there's no discussion no discussion he likes this team he likes luca there's no reason for him to be like nah man i want to go do it myself or i want to have this thing built around me that just doesn't fit
0: I mean, you just said it to uh, in 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 the in your deep analytical terms as you do it, and I as I love it. I'm gonna break it down in my terms. Hell to the no! You dumb if you leave, okay, yep. Jalen Brunson. You dumb as hell if you leave the Dallas Mavericks where you just turned all the way up. People knew about you, but Rick Carlisle was kind of hating on you. But then guess what, Jason Kidd kind of let you do your thing. You turned all the way up against Utah. Why would you leave? See, that's the problem with these players and in, in, in these sports things. Now, I'm going to tell you one little thing that Mario Edwards told me. I interviewed him, former cornerback with Dallas Cowboys. He's a coach now. He told me when he was getting ready, coming up for free agency, he said he had a talk with Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells said, look, I'm going to give you this number, and this is what it is." He said, I know it's not what you want. He said, but you're going to see all the money. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna be happy here. And then Mario told me he said, "You know what, Coach? I love you, but what you talking about? That's what third, third, third. Um, I mean, um, the slot corners make. No, yeah, third corners make. So I, I can't do that. So I'm gonna go ahead and you know test my luck. So he ended up going to Tampa Bay, and mm-hmm. he told me he made a mistake because he said he, Bill Parcells was right. He said because within a year and a half he got cut at Tampa Bay. He didn't see the money that they had signed him for. Right. He didn't see all that money through and then end up basically pretty much being done with the NFL after that. Well, NFL's so,
1: yeah, NFL's a little different though. Just know, in guaranteed know, money, you have to almost look at two different, different figures in contracts.
0: Yeah, it's a little different, but the whole point of it is that he went out there and said, Hey, I feel you but I'm going to go ahead and I need to get my money, coach. I need to get my money. And this guy, that would be the situation where, let's say, Dallas doesn't match. We said, I got to get my money. The situation is not good in New York compared to Dallas. Not close. The situation is not close. Why would you leave stability for instability, especially your role? You're going to a coach you don't know. You're going to a role. It's almost like a job, DDP. Yeah. If you're feeling good at your job, right? Mm-hmm. Might be this job over there. might pay a little more, but you don't know the people. You don't know the boss. You don't know any of them. Your job here might make it just a teeny bit less, but I feel good here. Every day I wake up, I go to work. I feel happy. I, yep. I feel comfortable. And I like that. You don't always have to jump out there and get the more money. So Jaden Brunson, if you turn on this show and this podcast, you listen to us. And you stay in Dallas because it's your best option and you can make this thing. Great. with Luca, they just got wood. Who knows what else they're going to do? Because I know you said, are we done, but you never know. This right. is the best situation for Jalen Brunson and he just need to go ahead and stay. And I think he will. I think he understands it too.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, you, you can interview somewhere for a job and you can have everything sound great. Like, Oh yeah, this sounds like a real fit. They, they, they envision my role the same way that I do. But then like, once you're actually on the job, suddenly you're kind of looking at like, okay, this is a very different oh, side yeah. than what I saw in the interview. Yeah. I've, like I've had I'm that happen. Yeah. So am I I've, I, I've had that where you're like going through the interview and you're like, man, this is great. This is going to be a good fit. Get there. And but like, I hate this place. Two weeks in, you're like, man, this oh. is a toxic ass environment. Exactly. This is not yep. good. This is not a yep. place that I want to hang around. You're like looking at like, all right, well, can, you I, you make call your friends can from I make your it six old months? Can I make it six Like, Hey, how y'all doing
0: over there? What's all man, We kicking her Yeah. We, Kicking and having a good time. How's it over there? I mean, you know, you know, we having a good time. You know, just working yep. hard. I miss it. Play. I want to <laughs> <go> back.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's very much grass not always greener. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. In this case, when you're talking about like we're not, it's not even like we're talking about like comparing green grass versus dead yellow grass or anything like right, that. We're right. we're talking about like the slightest shades of green. And it's just like, dude, just wait for the sun to pass over. You know, the sun passes over. You're like, oh, no, this side's actually greener. Like, just, just give it a minute. Let it sit for a minute and uh, you'll, you'll see it for what it is. But, yeah, I, I don't see a scenario wherein he goes to New York. It's cute. It's because they're the Knicks, right? It's cute that everyone's talking about it like it's going to be a thing. We hear every big-name player seemingly every year linked to who? The Lakers, the Knicks. Uh, what's another? Is there Miami lately has been a popular one, always linked to people? Those are what we always hear. Miami's not a big market, but it's that's that's the constant every year. Every right, big right. name, notable player is linked to those teams. And two of those three, I understand the Knicks, I don't. It's just because it's New York. That's it. So, yeah, Brunson, I don't, I don't see it. They would have, if they brought him on, three left handed starters. That's interesting. <laughs> um, and, his role wouldn't be the same here. Right. He's got a much better role. So with, uh, with that being the case and, you know, to sort of piggyback off of this, he was on um, Duncan Robinson's podcast and he doesn't outright say it to be clear. He does not outright say like, nah, New York doesn't make sense,
0: but, but he, uh, but he says it. And yeah. And, and, and people we, in real life terms, we heard you say it, you didn't say it
1: right but you said it right no ab- absolutely he, he's basically just like you know i've won everywhere i've been which i was saying earlier i've won everywhere i've been uh i'm not i'm not wanting to to go somewhere just because i can make the most money i want to compete i want to actually want to do something yes and as we said new york's best year that they've had in five six seven years I mean, I know they had like one team that had like Tyson Carmelo and um, Amari that got like home court and, advantage and, and, in the first and, round. Did and, they win and, a playoff even, series? Yeah.
0: And even then, nobody was looking at them like, oh, the no. New York Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Right. Listen, Jalen Brunson, if you go to New York, we'll never hear from you again.
1: Pretty much. And like I said, those <laughs> fans will turn on you. I mean, shit. They uh, How fast did, now, to be fair, I understand he's drifted around and he's not been able to stick anywhere. But how fast did they turn on the project of Dennis Smith Jr.? Like, I get it. Dennis, he's he struggled to find his Can way. we get he, him back? I've been wanting that for a couple of years. I don't think that? it's going to happen. Wrong? What's I, wrong I, I really it thought it how? might happen after Rick was gone. I thought it might happen after Rick left, but he was what, with Portland. with it? I, I don't know his current situation at this point. I know he was with Portland for part of last mm-hmm. year. And at some point he got cut. Um, I don't I don't know, but he, New York kind of ruined him. Like he was already struggling a little bit with Dallas. We can Rick bring had, him
0: back. DDP. Rick and had totally
1: him. given up on him. Um, but New York, it's like, dude, what did they like? They weren't in any kind of position where they w- could justify not trying to develop a young player. That's, that's just the fact. Like when you look at where they were, they should have still been saying, "Okay, even if we don't think he can be a superstar, we should work to develop him." And instead, every time he touched the floor, they were mercilessly booing him. I'm like, "He's on a rookie deal. You act like you're paying him thirty million dollars to stink!" Right. Like, it's just a, it's a terrible fan base. Honestly, like, I get it. Dennis Smith didn't pan out. We thought he was going to be a lot better. I'm convinced had circumstances been different and he never left Dallas, he probably would have been better. But under Rick, maybe that's really debatable, you know? So it's uh, it is what it is, but New York We're coming does not- under kid
0: though. Here's my thing. If Jason kid could get him though, yeah. in a backup role and really build up his confidence back together and build him back together mm-hmm. in Dallas, a lot of people in Dallas loved him. And I feel like that would give him confidence to play better because we loved Dennis Smith jr. Mm-hmm. A lot of us weren't were mad when Dennis Smith Jr. Remember when me and you talked, and I said as soon as he got there, I said it's not gonna work because mm-hmm. I know how Carlisle is, and Luca's gonna take over, and I know it wasn't gonna work. But now in the situation that you have it, where we already understand who is the star now, yeah, now this is a situation where Dennis Smith Jr., you should be able to accept a backup role because you've been tossed around the league like nothing. Yeah. So now I would from feel New York
1: like you, to Boston to Portland. Me? And now I don't know where he is.
0: Right. So my thing would be, you would embrace it. The fans are going to embrace you. You're still young. You can add a great element. to. The He's still team tight with Luca too. Home. That's what I'm saying, man. Mm-hmm. That athleticism, that could be a great pickup and he ain't going to cost no money.
1: Yeah, no, think of it this way. Um. He basically, because the, christian wood trade opened up three roster spots he basically would be filling the trey burke role trey burke role and that's burke barely played for dallas yeah and and to be clear like i think he could play more minutes obviously than burke did but my point is like if you want a a guy that can be a a scorer and a slasher off the bench there you go you can get dennis smith jr and have a guy that's still an athletic freak as well so it i I've heard nothing of it, nothing hinting toward it. I don't know his even circumstances of his current contract or if he's in the league officially.
0: I'm putting it on Twitter
1: tonight, DDP,
0: and I'm pushing the hell out of it from out of there. I'm pushing the hell. I'm tagging Mavericks. I'm tagging you, Mavericks. (laughs) Y'all tagging you, Mavericks. Get ready, Mavericks, because Dennis Smith Jr. didn't tag on your your thing for about at least three days.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, He even hinted in the past that he would be interested in joining Dallas at some point again after – and it was insinuated, like, once Rick was gone, mm-hmm. would he be interested? And he even kind of, like, quote-tweeted it. This was even before Kid was hired. In fact, right, I don't right. even know if I'm Rick had same. been fired yet. But right. he was, like, quote-tweeting it basically suggesting, like, yeah, like, I, I would be interested in coming back to Dallas. But, yeah, that so that's not the – Mid-level exception. Well, hold on. Let's wrap up the Jalen thing here on the podcast. So basically said not interested in uh, taking the most money just to go somewhere and um, not compete. That's not how he's built. And if you look at what he was talking about in the playoffs, um, when people were talking about like, you know, when Luca came back and you kind of went from being the focal point of everything to playing off the ball a lot and having to kind of change up how you were playing in the series how did how did you adjust to that like mentally and his answer was basically like look he's luka effing Doncic. like he's a generational player you're not going like he's here things are going to run through him but my job isn't to take away from him my job is to find a way to complement him and to see where i can help the team and where i can fit in best here and you know i've i've found how to do that. And I've learned how to work off the ball more and how to take my opportunities as they come. That's really what it boiled down to. It was just a very, a very self-aware, mature answer from a guy. Now I know he was in college for a long time and, you know, he's just now getting his first big NBA contract but the, the maturity of his answer and everything was one of those things where it's like, man, that's more of a, like a grizzled veteran perspective. Usually, you usually hear that kind of perspective from a guy that's like in his early to mid thirties. And is just like, look, man, I'm starting to think like big picture and just wanting to win a ring. So I'm all about doing what makes sense for the team. Like a Sean Marion coming to Dallas and uh, you know, in that 2010, 2011 season coming off the bench the entire year, Right. having, having gone from a guy that was like a f- primary facet of the offense and of a
0: 20 point everything.
1: Dot. Yes. A guy who in Phoenix had multiple all-star appearances and was a phenomenal, phenomenal player swallowed his pride and came off the bench for pretty much that whole year until Butler obviously goes down. Karan Butler with the uh, dislocated me and torn patella tendon uh, in january of that year and then he just right. steps back in but he never complained but again that was right. a guy that was like 33 34 years old marion was at the time that was the perspective and Marion rightfully so was praised for that you already see sort of similar maturity here from jalen i feel like and that's that's incredibly that's a, a testament to him you know like that's very rare and uh that also leads me to believe like he's not looking to cash out the biggest check he can he just wants to make sure that he's paid and respected paid like he's respected you know what i mean it's about
0: respect it's not about like you overpaying me it's about you paying me respect just like i i'm just saying like at a job at your job Mm -hmm. if you're at your job right and you busted your tail and you feel like you put in your work look i don't need you to go pay me crazy like a crazy number just give me a respectable number and we're good and yep. like you said, I think the maturity is coming from Jalen where he's already doing that and understanding that. Uh, but when you look at Jalen and just listen to him talk, this is body language all the time. He looks mature. Yep. Obviously, we talked about his father was a coach. So that helps you, I feel, mature as a young player growing up because you kind of already understand how the how the business goes in, in a sense. So yeah, you already kind of sure. grow up. Mentally, more than other people have, because
1: they haven't seen it like you have. No, I, I agree, hundred percent. So Jalen, I, I think it's more or less locked up. And even the Mavericks, as they've been doing their social media stuff, they're doing their various graphics and stuff of like maps, pool parties, and shit. They're still including Jalen in every uh, every illustration they do. So it's like, yeah, they're they're convinced. <laughs> they wouldn't be putting him in it. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent. They wouldn't be including him in it. If they thought like, Oh, there's a chance we might not get him. I'm convinced that the early report that we were hearing where he's basically like, look, it's not like a done, done deal, but like, it's essentially a done deal. Right. That's, that's where it's at as far as I'm concerned. So this isn't going to be a Deandre Jordan thing where in the 11th hour and 59th minute, uh, there's an intervention that leads to a change of heart. Right. right him staying right. home, not him leaving and realizing only at the last minute, like, Oh God, I am making a terrible mistake. I am not the player. They're going to pay me to be. And right. here I'm at least protected a little bit. Worst uh-huh. I got to deal with is getting bullied by Chris Paul. Right. So, yeah. So let's talk a couple of mid-level exception options here. Let's uh, talk about it. Big dog. Yeah. So Throw some names out some, I, I keep turning over in my mind, different options mm. for Dallas here. And I've been scouring, you know, some of the, some of maps, Twitter as well, kind of reading the pulse a little bit right. and a couple of names stick out to me. Obviously one of them names we're going to know here, he's in the thumbnail on the screen. Now uh, you do have Gary Payton, the second, that's an intriguing one just because uh, golden state's about to pay, uh, pay pool. And he
0: already uh, said he wants some, what, almost what 15 to 20 something million something over like that? that
1: yeah 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 and they're about to pay pool like a hundred million dollar contract yeah like extension. pool's gonna get paid yeah so they have no flexibility to to retain i would love that second. addition that would be now here's the thing with dallas's uh current ship now their mid-level exception it's not the the most robust one that you have out there. In fact, it's uh-huh. a three year deal with each season being about 6.39 million. Uh-huh. So that's about a, what three for 18, 19, roughly million dollar contract. That's mm-hmm. not the, that's not the sexiest. That's not going to draw people. And to mess, that, yeah. To give context to that further, there are nine other teams with higher mid levels available. That's Charlotte, mm-hmm. Chicago, Houston, Indiana, New York, Oklahoma city, Phoenix, by the way, Phoenix ahead of you, and that is, and he will go to one of those before Dallas, Portland, and Toronto. And Portland just made a nice uh, acquisition tonight. Yeah, that I, I really, I, I, I like. I've that. been wanting Jeremy Grant for two or three years now. So, and, yeah, and they're now they're going after a newbie as well from Toronto. So Portland's not yet giving up on the the Damian Lillard era.
0: I like that, though. I like how they're saying, you know what? We love you that much. We're going to continue to build, get players to make you stay. I I like that. I like an organization that does that because too many organizations are always quick to let players go or get rid of them. I like when organizations are like, hey, man, we love you. We don't want you to go nowhere and we will Mm -hmm. do whatever to keep you. I like that.
1: I like it for Portland for sure. I hate it for what it means for the West just being that right because
0: it's what more difficult, right? Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, do it in the East.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so with that mid-level exception for Dallas, three for each season being six point three nine million. Uh, mm-hmm. There, that's including like a five percent raise in years two and three, respectively. So. Uh, it's not near as, wow, that is quite the freeze frame I got on the video and OBS of me there. I look drunk as shit. Um, All right, we like drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Dallas is mid-level exception. Not not the most impressive. They might be able to do something with it. It's interesting, though, as you try and consider, like, how can you get into the market for some of these guys? Because we know Tim McMahon had said uh, in an in a interview on The Ticket the other day, Mavericks are still targeting a three and D wing with their mid-level exception. And I don't think you're going to be able to get um, Peyton at that, at that cost, especially not when we talked about some of these other teams, including teams like Phoenix who are in that uh, mix as well. Phoenix is really the only one of these teams. I see that's like, Oh, there's your clear contender. Everyone else is kind of in that middle to lower rank, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. so that's, that's one that would be intriguing. He would fit certainly the role of what they want there, and I think he would be a tremendous addition. Another one that's very underrated um, is Isaiah Hartenstein. So he was with the Clippers last year. His numbers aren't going to blow you away when you hear the first couple, but the percentages are what I want you to look at. The okay. dude averaged 8.3 points, 4.9 mm-hmm. boards. But he shot sixty-two point six percent from the field and forty-six point seven percent from three. I mean, three is the shoot? Uh, I don't have the full number ahead of me, like on pulled up here, but I can look it up real quick. Okay. But uh, here's here's the thing: he is a huge fit in terms of scheme. Like mm-hmm. what he brings is a dynamic that would stretch the floor for Dallas, basically mm-hmm. give you uh, an even better version of what Maxi is kind of bringing in right. his ability to stretch the floor here. Right. Uh, let me see. Pulling it up now. So he took... Let's see. It's not that he takes a ton of threes. He's just very efficient. He's, just efficient. He's just very, efficient. Very, very right. efficient. Right, with them. right, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm looking at Basketball Reference here, and it's like showing me his like attempts, three-point attempts per game. It's like just show me how many he took for the season. That's all I'm really <laughs> asking you, dude. Uh, okay, he had thirty that's attempts. When the, thirty when attempts. The computers are that. Yeah, thirty attempts on the season, made fourteen of them. So not bad. Um, yeah, forty-six point seven percent from three. A guy you can stretch the floor for you a little bit. Again, this is not a starter, but this is a guy who, with a mid-level exception. Could be an intriguing possibility. He's also never made more than $2 million in a season. So he's never been paid. So significant he ain't going to be Grady. Right. And last year was his first year as a uh, as a regular in the Clipper rotation. Uh-huh. So there's not a lot of awareness of him. He's not like a, a commodity known around the league. And he's not made a lot of money, but he does have the ability to convert in an area that, helps your team. So that's another one. That's uh, an intriguing possibility to me that just, again, rounds out your front court depth a little bit. You're bringing in a big, a power forward, center who can stretch the floor and be efficient and who you don't have to pay a lot of money. Right. Right.
0: Hey, well, you know what? I, I trust DDP and I listen to DDP. So we'll see what happens with that. I think uh, more of the second option will be more of a viable option because mm-hmm. like you said, Gary Payton the 2nd I mean, there's so many teams out there. He's going to understand his value now. Yeah. And these players now in the NBA do not undersell their value. They're going to get what they want mm-hmm. uh, because they have more uh, player control in the NBA. Um, so they're not just going to settle for any kind of thing because they don't have to uh, because the way they can, way they set up their contracts, they don't have to settle. like Maybe like for an NFL player, I feel like they have to settle more because yeah. the NFL will cut them off and and since the contracts are not guaranteed, they can play more hardball with them. Whereas in the NBA or even other teams, when their contracts are guaranteed, it changes the dynamic of how the negotiating goes. So I think, uh, I definitely think Peyton won't be an option, but the second player that you did mention, I definitely think that could be happening, especially because of the money. You Mm -hmm. haven't made a lot of money, so you ain't going to be tripping. And the scheme, it's a good scheme for you. And Jason Kidd, I like him. You may want to come over here and play for him as well. So I think three of those three things can make it happen as far as if that was an option for the Dallas Mavericks in the future.
1: Let me throw another name at you here that you might be able to get with that. And it would fit again in your, your three and D wing sort of outlook. What would you think of Derek Jones, Jr.? And he's athletic. He is an athletic freak. Pair him with Luca and you've got a major uh, aerial assault prime and ready to go. Now he's been bounced around he a little bit well with Dallas. Yeah. He's bounced around a little bit, had a year in Phoenix, a couple years in Phoenix, uh, Miami for several years. Then he was Portland and Chicago last year. I think, uh, I think that could be an intriguing one as well. He's a guy who, uh, let me see his stats here last season, about 32, 33% from three, not a great three point shooter. Um, but you wouldn't really look at him in that aspect with no, Dallas, but when his field you, goal percentage is about 54 percent. Right. So he's he's so giving you that.
0: He's gonna give you that. I'm not even looking at him as a three-point guy, I look at him as that athletic person that the Dallas Mavericks need. Mm-hmm. You understand? Dallas needs a really super Kind of bungee, jumpy guy. You know what I mean? I feel like they need that, and I think he could bring that in the fold. I mean, you brought in Wood; he's a bouncy guy. but yep. you're bringing in Derrick Jones Jr., he, he's bouncy, bouncy. Yep. And um, you know, Luca coming to the hole, throwing him up in the air, getting the crowd all in it. Number, and you just mentioned the DDP. He's not. He's not a have. He's not a guy that's ever going to have a home. Let's no. keep it real. He's yeah. never going to have a home because he's that type of player that you don't need him, mm-hmm. but. You can use him for a few years. That's the way it is. You know what I'm saying? There's certain players in the NBA like that. That's what he is. So in that aspect, with the athletic side and defense, bring him in. He don't cost you a lot of money because you know you're probably not going to keep him for a long term. So get what you can out of him now. I think that'd be a great addition, especially with the athleticism, because I feel like the Dallas Mavericks need a little bit
1: more of that. I think he definitely fits like the the front court player, uh, Hartenstein, like he's he's a kind of bargain bin shopping thing. Like I think he would be an underrated pickup for his fit, but that that's one of those things that I think he's obtainable for like what you're looking at, but in terms of what we're hearing they're looking for and what could also still fit Jones jr is a fascinating possibility. I was hoping that they were going to do something with that $10.9 million trade exception, But it expires on June 27th. And according to Mark Stein, they're unlikely to use it. So I don't know. uh, I don't know all the details of that, like what the reasoning is. Uh, That's a major bummer because that's not an asset that feels like it should be wasted. It's basically a way to cancel out, like when the money is not lining up in a trade, uh, a way to kind of create some of that wiggle room for you. Um, And I'm reminded too, like, the uh, the Eric Dampier trade clause, essentially exception is what landed us Tyson ultimately. And then we it moved from us then to the Lakers when we traded for Lamar Odom in a separate thing. Um, There's just, I, I followed this thread once before and basically figured out like a 12 step process of how it ultimately led to James Harden and the Rockets <laughs> Uh, and blew up the Oklahoma City perceived dynasty and everything. But uh, yeah, trade exceptions, Dallas recent track record has not utilized them well. They let the Richardson one, which was really the Seth Curry one, um, expire as well in that deal. And that was really frustrating to see. So I was hoping they were going to get use out of this. I read something that it's tied loosely to the wood trade because the wood trade can't be made official until the draft because New York owns the 2023 Dallas first round pick. So it's like, until we get to that point of draft night, it doesn't actually go official. So that's kind of holding up the timing of some of this as well. So maybe, maybe it is just a timing thing, but it's, it's surprising to me that they would kind of give up on about $11 million of free money, essentially at this point. Like you got a yeah. gift card. You know, it's going to expire. Use it. Doesn't matter if it's not your favorite place to go eat, go use it's, it. You got a gift card.
0: That's the whole point. Like you just said, it don't matter if it's your favorite place. It's free money. It's giving just, you can go spend it. Don't matter what you do with it. Just go use it. So if you just got the opportunity just go use it, go out there and get something with it. Like you said, don't got to be tasty morsel, but is this something you can chew on and eat? So make that happen, big dog.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, it also would have helped you in the uh, as Dallas is trying to find a couple of these guys. Like we know, they're looking for a three and D wing. That's gonna your mid level exception will give you some options there. But you got three open roster spots. Like you could have been, you could be a little more aggressive on that. You could plug two holes still at this point. Now, I know some some people are still trying to figure out how to do the mental gymnastics for like Miles Turner. I don't see that. <laughs> I just don't, there's no, there's no way, uh, at this point for it. And would it, would it be a fascinating thing? Sure. But like Dallas, you know, they need a defensive minded rim protector and everything. Woods got the ability to stretch the floor and he plays with such violent explosiveness, which I honestly, like I knew his, his athleticism and everything, but deep diving even further into his tape and everything the last week, I'm just like, good God, this man is going to be a monster in this offense. Like the kind of looks and setups he's going to get from Luca and the explosiveness he plays with like surprising ferocity for a guy of his frame. Um, That's something that this team just has not had with Luca. Um, But you know, if you, if you were looking to do it, you could have had some options out there that I feel like now you're just kind of, if not letting go, you're missing out on an, an opportunity to, to make some upgrades. So Mavericks, I think for the most part to round out all of this talk here, I think the Jalen Brunson extension that is highly expected is more or less the one bit of wheeling and dealing they got left. We've seen reports that they are trying to trade back into the late first round. um, And they've even worked out a couple of prospects and everything that they're still trying to figure out if there's a way they can get back up into that. Here's, here's my hot take the so i said the wood take isn't final yet i think it's going to be modified and i think we're going to have either another team brought in or you're going to see josh green packaged as part of a deal that gets dallas back into the first round for uh one of the prospects that they were looking at so any you might have your day yet with all those prospects you broke down but i think i think this deal gets modified and josh green is uh moved on from
0: yeah i definitely feel like you know Josh Green, he's the dangling bait. We all know that he's probably not going to be there long-term. We all feel it in our hearts and our souls, and that would be the one dangling piece that you can really move because you don't know he's really going to have the trajectory of being a guy that's going to be with the Mavericks the next three, four, five years. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just what it is. But, hey, there it is. But well, let's jump on some Cowboys football, man. You know what You'll I'm saying? Let, let's jump on that because, hey, training camp's right around the corner. can mm-hmm. camp wrapped up. I'm going to be heading to training camp the first week of August. So let's talk about some Dallas Cowboys football, DDP.
1: Yes, um, yes. Um.
0: So I want to give some quick observations when we jump right into it. Right. Some things I want to look at. and I'm going to have you kind of bounce off, you know, kind of my thoughts going into training camp, Uh, kind of my thoughts going into training camp. Um, You know, first off the bat, you know, one of the things that I want to be looking at at camp, obviously, when you listen to Jerry Jones, he just had an interview, with DDP, and he was talking mm-hmm. about the young players. Young players are our lifeline. It's all on these young players. They don't do it, and we're going to be in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, puts a lot of pressure on, especially the first four draft picks. You had Jalen Tolbert. I mean, well, I'm mean, i not saying he's the first pick. You had Tyler sure. Smith. You had Sam Williams, Jalen Tolbert. Um, Jay Ferguson. Yeah. Those four players, in my opinion, are going to have to have big roles their first year mm-hmm. because of how dependent on the Cowboys and Stephen Jones, not so much Jerry. Yeah. But Stephen Jones, that's his philosophy of messing with these draft players. I said that is going to be key, you know, in their development heading into camp. Kind of wish your thoughts on that, man, because the way I see it from... That aspect of those first four picks, the way it was last year with Oga Parsons, those guys, these four guys will have to come in like almost like gangbusters. I almost feel like it's kind of unfair the way they put them in that, in that realm of, mm-hmm. hey, it don't matter if you're rookies, you got to come in and produce because they've never seen this, and you're putting all this onus on young players to get you to the chip. I kind of have a problem with that because yeah. I don't know if your guys you have there aren't the type of guys that can take it to the chip.
1: No, it, it's, uh, it's entirely unfair to ask and even expect that of it. And I, I think the, the Parsons thing kind of skewed the perception a little bit. Like, even if it's just like the recency thing, like, ah, oh, see, like now that with the proper coaching and if you have a really good talent, you can overcome it and you can be an immediate impact player. Like, oh, look, we even had a uh, diggy was making big plays for us early in the year and you know look what the coaching was able to bring out in year two from Trayvon Diggs like they they look at all those things and like I get that but at the same time it's not super typical to plug in like you said like four your first four picks of the current rookie class and have all of them contribute at a high level now I even even without having heard the the Jerry Uh, quote that you were referencing there i already felt like the first two picks for sure um smith and uh williams were in that situation where they were going to be asked to do a lot this year i mean we're looking at and he's in the thumbnail here tyron smith uh man i just don't the wheels are falling off like they they are falling off i was already expecting um the first pick you know for him to get a lot of a lot of work at swing tackle and them having to figure out a way to kind of bring him along quickly, because I just anticipate at this point that Tyron's going to miss four or five games per year. It just feels like that, especially now that we're extending the season an extra game each week or each year. Um, So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have that, but, Now, with some of these other moves they've made, the Cowboys they're basically saying, "Hey, we've we've let some of this depth go. Some of these guys that could have made up for it." Now, you know, like, oh, how would how would you be putting more pressure on uh, your your rookie pass rusher in this case by letting like an Amari Cooper go, for instance? Well, if the offense is just a little bit less dynamic, and now instead of having uh, an A plus grade offense, you might have. An A minus B plus, something like that. And so maybe you're not scoring quite as much. Maybe you're not able to extend drives quite as much. That's going to put the pressure then on the defense. That's why a defense's best friend is a good run game. Right. Similar here, like you're putting more pressure on these guys by other decisions you've made, even if it's not at their exact position. And so you were already putting that pressure on them. And now to, to have this situation where you essentially got four of these guys, three or four of these guys, at least in that situation, it's a really tough spot to put these kids in. Hopefully they're able to kind of rise to the occasion. I imagine that they'll do all right, but I do anticipate growing pains. I know that I thought that there was going to be growing pains for Micah Parsons and there wasn't really, but that is very much the exception and not the rule. So we'll see. It's a, it's a major gamble. I don't agree with Dallas taking it the way they have, but they made their bed. They're going to either have to lie in it or get away with it and take the money to the bank, you know, take the money and run. I mean,
0: honestly, it's the Stephen Jones way. It's not the Jerry Jones way. This is the Stephen Jones way, and that's where we can say more Stephen Jones has taken over this organization than Jerry. Jerry's about to be 80 years old. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's in his later years. Uh, So Stephen Jones is going to be the successor. So I feel like... Jerry is more taking a back seat to him and kind of let him feel his way. And Stephen Jones, you know, we know what he's about. He's about being not spending a lot of money in free agency, banking on these rookies and keeping the players you have. So, um, you know, that type of philosophy, I don't hate on it. Uh, but you know, the thing to me is, once again, it's funny how you put you gamble on rookies who've never played in NFL but you won't gamble on a free agent who right. has done it, been there and done it, who has proved it around these guys in the NFL and has done it. But because he wants a little bit more money, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it. And you go with a young player who hasn't shown you anything, but because he's cheap, you're willing to bake on that. That's the type of philosophy I don't like.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred um, percent. And it just, it it feels like you're, taking an unnecessary risk. It, it's not a situation where we we've said this before that like the money you're saving, you're not rolling it over into a future into a future thing where it's like, okay, you're we not have, putting it to a superstar. Yeah. Just, yeah. You're not investing it elsewhere. You're just you're saving that money and like, oh well, we want to be flexible. Well it's like if you're flexible, then you're you're making a move to go get something. Like you're you're holding on to some money. If it's your rainy day fund, well, then you're going to go spend it when it makes sense to go spend it. Like you're going to go acquire a guy, uh, sign a guy that can make a big difference to your team. And they didn't do that. And there were so many of these guys that were floating out there. This was one of the more active. It felt like NFL off seasons. There were so many guys out there that would have been like, mm, he would be, he would be good for this defense, especially with some of these uh, departures they've had. This would be a good way to kind of reinforce and okay. They're not even going to try. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. Like, why are we doing this? And uh, it it just felt like a series of those kind of moves, where it's like they think they're playing four D chess, and. I still feel like they're playing checkers. <laughs> the, see, the problem is <laughs> they, they, think they think they're, they're outsmart.
0: Stephen Jones thinks he's outsmarting everybody. That's his problem. See, he thinks he's outsmarting everybody by doing mm-hmm. it this way, and he's trying to prove to everybody we can win this way the way I'm doing it. We can win this way. No, it ain't because conservative don't win. I don't right. care what anybody tells me. I ain't never seen where conservative wins and win consistently. No, it does not. When you have a conservative mindset and a conservative behavior, you are not winning consistently. No, you're not in anything, not in life, not in not in not in not in sports, Uh not in work, not in anything. When you're just a super conservative person, you're not the one that's going to be taking over and winning the business and being the top dog. No, you're not. You're going to be a middling person. You won't be the worst. You won't be the best. Mm -hmm. You'll be right in that middle. You'll be in that middle where you're competitive, but you won't ever reach the top. And that's the truth. And that's what is with Dallas. And so here's the thing. We get so many people fooled thinking because what Stephen Jones is doing with these young players, it keeps us in the loop because we, keep, we get excited because young players get you excited. They do. Mm-hmm. Young players get you excited, and that's what he plays on. But at the end of the day, that conservative mindset never gets you over the hump. But I'll leave that alone because I always jump on that.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. hey, I'm curious. Um, I'm trying to think and not to like put you on the spot. I'm trying to think of an example of a recent Super Bowl champion that was pretty conservatively built. And I'm, I'm trying to a hard press, like obviously not the Rams, obviously not the, the Chiefs, not the um uh, not the
0: Patriots,
1: not the Patriots, not the Eagles, not the like. Falcons the Patriots would have probably been the closest closest example I can think of to, to one but of those. they still would
0: go out and make mm-hmm. a trade midseason if they felt like they were falling off or of they needed a little yep. jolt. They would make the trade in the midseason. Mm-hmm. Patriots had no problem making trades, getting rid of draft picks, and picking up a player and giving away a couple of draft picks midseason if they felt like that player can get them over the hump to take them to the Super Bowl. Patriots yeah. had no problem doing that. And that's just the truth. And – I, you we can look through history. You building it through a conservative mindset is not going to be a consistent winner every single year. And you're not going to super every single no, year. You're not no. no, you're not going to do it. No, you're not. No, I'm, you're going to win games. Here's the thing. You'll win games, DDP. You'll win maybe nine, ten. Games. You'll be right. competitive. You'll win games, but you ain't never going to get over the hump.
1: Let's see Yeah. Let's see the Cowboys win 10 games in back to back seasons for the first time let's since see. like 95, 96, or right. whatever it is. Let's yeah. see back
0: to back NFC champions in, since in 20 years.
1: Let's see. I mean, let's see one of those. With less.
0: <laughs> with less.
1: Yeah. With yeah. less. I, I see. agree. I agree. Let's see. Um, pro- pro- Show me, show me, show me, Stephen
0: and Jerry with less. Now y'all gonna do more. Okay. Right. Y'all have more and then y'all did less. Mm-hmm. Now y'all gonna have less. And you're gonna do more with the current state that y'all have. I'm sorry. I don't believe that
1: addition by subtraction is a real thing, but it has to be like a case where addition by subtraction would be like not having Jason Witten at age 39 or whatever, playing tight end for you and blocking the development of other guys. Right. That, That would be addition through subtraction, not hey, we're going to make our receiving core worse. Now, here's the thing. I like uh, Tolbert that they that they got right. the kid in the third right. round. Like, I like what I see He's from him. He's still a rookie. Yeah, I, I like that. But I also look at it and say, like, if your mindset was to go win it all now, you don't do Put that. Put it on a rookie. Right. You don't because, say if you
0: were trying to go to a Super Bowl, you don't say we're putting it on a third round South Alabama rookie.
1: Right. And, and think about it, too, this way. Like, Gallup's coming back off of the ACL in, anyway. So, um, you you got him coming back. He's going to miss the first part of the season and everything. Um, you could have still had Amari CD and, uh, your, your rookie receiver here. And then Gallup would come back at some point and he would be your insurance policy one way or the other. Like you still had the ability to do all of this. That's why it doesn't make sense to me to say like, oh, well we knew that we could just go draft a, a new receiver. And that would that would bridge that gap. It's like you can have overlap. It makes sense, especially uh, to have overlap. If you're trying to bring a rookie along, you don't want to throw them into the fire in that situation. And with the departure of Cedric Wilson. It isn't even more dynamic made, when you got a it rookie. Makes
0: hell of sense. You can't put more and then you still could have drafted that rookie. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to get deal him. You still would have been in the same draft position. Now you added Jalen Tober for a losing to Cedric Wilson. You got a young guy on a contract for at least four years who's a fourth-round pick, a third-round mm-hmm. pick. You ain't paying him a lot of money. So now you have fun with him for the next at least two, three years. You understand what I'm saying? No, yep. know Stephen Jones. No, I don't like how Amari was acting. He didn't want to take his COVID test, and he didn't want to get blah, blah. So now we're going to punish him, and we ain't going to spend that money. And then every time I'm be in the media, I'm going to say all this fake stuff. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I had to repent to Jerry Jones, Mm -hmm. uh, DDP. Uh, I wasn't saying, you know, Jerry, what are you doing? Jerry would just frustrate me. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I just said we weren't winning another title on Jerry. And I said a lot of Jerry. So I apologize, Jerry. It's Steven. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jerry. I apologize. I know you 80, but your son about to ruin the Cowboys. It's kind of like like, uh,
1: it's kind of making me think here about uh, just wanting the Al Davis motto here. Like, just win. Just win, baby. Like, don't don't mix it up with all these personal feelings and all of these frustrations and rivalries and stuff like just put a winning product on the field. Go put the best team together that you can. We know that they've done it before. Look how many times in the past and I'm not advocating for them to do this by the way. I'm just saying in the past they had that like, oh do whatever makes the team better mentality. They would bring in guys that were you know domestic violence guys guys that had like gun charges and stuff against br- them like br- pac-man br- tank yeah, johnson Ed, over the age um, guys who's the dude from carolina who literally had to serve like a six-game suspension or something like that right out of the gate he's not he was in the nfl like only that year and then he went to mma uh oh greg hardy yes greg hardy um yeah yeah, yeah. like we know that they've got that in them to like be like, look, dude, we're just we don't care about this other stuff. We're just going to go. But that was play.
0: Jerry though, DDP. That's the thing. That was the Jerry in yeah. him because Jerry didn't care. Jerry didn't care who it was. I'm trying to win a championship, so I'm bringing whatever, sure. whoever. I'm trying to win a championship. Stephen is the polar opposite of him. He's like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to bring in those type of people. Uh-huh. We don't want to bring out that care. We want to have these type of guys. We have this. Bro, that's not going to work. It sounds
1: very Jason Garrettism. We want the oh, right kind Jason of guys. Oh, Jason Garrett
0: all day. Because when uh my guy, Mike, Mike um Fisher? from Burgers and Blitzes. No, no, from Burgers and Blitzes. I was like, uh, Mike, please Mike don't White quote from, Fisher. No, I will never <laughs> do that. Mike White from Burgers and Blitzes, he's told me. And this was, he said his sources were strong. He said, Jerry one J- Jason Garrett, right after the L.A. Rams whooped up on Dallas. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, he wanted to fire him. Mm-hmm. It was Stephen Jones that said, "No, Dad, we can't do that right now." And he saved Garrett. You understand what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. like he's saving Kellen Moore. It's Stephen, dog. Stephen has neutered Jerry Jones, and now he's neutered. And Stephen Jones is running this. And I don't care. I know we hate to hear this Cowboys fans. I know you want don't want to hear this. Okay, because I'm not Nostradamus. We ain't winning nothing under Stephen Jones.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, you basically just give Jerry a a constant, a constant feed of Johnny Walker Blue, and that'll yeah. that'll tame him down just enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hook <laughs> it up to the IV. But uh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's definitely questionable how they're operating things. And again, I'm not saying like they need to go get a bunch of these like right. unruly guys. I'm just saying like in the past they very much were like oh i don't what, what are you charged with we'll do whatever yeah. to win what are you charged with oh you might have a couple game suspension all right well can you help my team win now all right, well, right. Here, well let's bring you in or let's see if we can bring you in they would do stuff like that i mean dang the the greg hardy thing they literally signed him knowing he was going to have some kind of suspension and initially it was going to be a, a 10 Jerry game signing. right initially it was going to be a 10 game suspension and you know that was the only time where they were like ooh 10 games if we had known that maybe we would have reconsidered and ended up getting uh reduced down to like six or four or something like that yeah, yeah like four yeah uh ridiculous but even still it's just like they've they've shown that mentality and somewhere suddenly in the last two or three years as the power dynamic has shifted more towards Stephen pulling all the strings it seems it, it's just completely gone this was this off the season edginess. was nothing we don't, we
0: don't have any kind of edginess with there's this no team. there's no urgency this team is bland there's no sense of urgency because Stephen jones says we want to do it this way yeah. and if this takes uh five ten years to do it then we're more than happy to do it that's what i feel he's saying to us dog without him saying it he's mm-hmm. saying hey i don't care how long it takes you know why because ain't nobody telling me to rush me Ain't nobody rushing me. There's nobody in there telling them, DDP, hey, you don't get this done this year. You're fired. Is he firing Steven Jones?
1: Right. No, that's a a good point. It's it's the biggest thing that's missing from this team. And Jerry, even if he was wheeling and dealing and gambling and making very questionable decisions like $50 million for Brandon Carr, at the very least, he was aggressive and pushing when you got a guy that's just sitting there doing nothing and you're sitting there seeing your team either gradually get worse or basically just saying like, dude, you got to hit on the draft every single year. And you got to hit on like quality contributors for like six or seven guys. Cause otherwise we're going to, we're going to run thin. We're going to run out and we're not going to have enough firepower and depth to actually offset these other questionable decisions we're making and i'm not even saying that like oh well we know because we know they like oh we like our guys we like to keep our talent retain our talent and how many guys did they have that were paid in like the top three or four at their position until recently i know a couple of them have slipped off now as new deals have gone around the league but it's just like i hate that mentality where it's like you got like all right, we're going to have like five or six guys at the very top of the roster. We're going to pay them all at like the very top of their positions, and everything else basically has to be veteran minimum type stuff or um, or rookie contracts, essentially. like that's not, that's not a balanced enough way to build your team. You're too top-heavy. You don't have it. You either have a bunch of young guys that are inexperienced or last year was almost the perfect storm. You brought in a bunch of guys who were kind of castaways from other teams, and most of them worked out for you very well. Why, is why I will not get over last season and how it ended. You had the perfect storm of depth, talent, health, and actual playmakers on both sides of the ball. And the fact that you basically set it adrift out to sea and then launched a flaming arrow at your own future makes no damn sense to me. Like I I can't fathom it. It, It'd be one thing to have that bitter of a taste and knowing they were at least going to come back and be aggressive. I could, I could maybe cope with that. I, I still would be skeptical, but I could cope with it. Everything they're doing has, has just completely burned me. Like to the point where I'm like, I don't have any trust in how they're being run. I don't have any real faith in their decision-making or anything like that. Like McClay's drafting. That's about all that I can bank on at this point. Like even when they make questionable picks, I'm just like, because if we didn't
0: have Will McClay, Dallas would be a four and 12 team every single year. And it might be better
1: because at least they'd have a top end pick.
0: It wouldn't matter because you got Steven Jones.
1: I know. I'm, oh yeah. Or they or it would don't do, matter or they would it do the matter. same thing they did before where they took yeah. Zeke instead of uh, yeah. Ramsey. <laughs> it,
0: it doesn't matter though. As long as you got him conservative, self, doing what he's doing, we can talk about this all day, all night. We got mm-hmm. Michael Parsons, right? I guarantee you Michael Parsons was somewhere else and played for a dogish team begin chips. Yeah, probably. Okay. He begin chips. And the only reason why, you know, you know, it's sad because Dallas has so much talent just coming through the building mm-hmm. and it's going to keep getting wasted because of that conservative
1: self. So, yep. you
0: know,
1: it is what it is for sure. Yeah. So I feel like we got onto a depressing rant there at the end, but that's, I mean, it is. I, I mean, I don't even want to talk about now. nothing else.
0: Yeah. I don't even want to <laughs> talk about, uh, it's like, I don't even want to talk about nothing else. now with Dallas.
1: <laughs> I, I killed the show. I no, mean, you we didn't we, kill it. we were basically real. wrapping up it's, anyway. It's,
0: We were about wrapping it up anyway, but it's just to me, it's the real. I don't want to talk the mumbo jumbo with Dallas no more. DDP. I don't want to talk the mumbo jumbo. I don't want to talk the fake stuff with Dallas. I'm not talking that fake stuff with Dallas. This is the reality of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. They're not winning, and they're not winning no time soon. Now, understand what I'm saying. They're gonna win games. They're gonna win nine, ten games. They're going to win games. Mm-hmm. Like I said, conservative approach, you will win games. How they're building it, they will win games. But they are not going to get over the hump. And it's going to be just enough, DDP, to keep these fans keep coming back. It's going to be just enough to pull them back in when they get so frustrated and mad and say, I'm done with Dallas. They're going to do just enough to pull them right back in because that's what's happening now, right? Because, we and you just talked about, I'm not over that 12 and five season. Yeah. I'm not over last year. I still think about it. Mm-hmm. I am not over it because there is no way in hell that should have happened.
1: Right. No, I, no I, way, I agree. DDP. I mean, think, just think about the entirety of Romo's career and then moving straight into Dak. How many years alone does that span? So Romo took over in 06. So Oh six to 22. <laughs> We're talking about what 16 years, 18 years, like, absurd absurd and yet here we are and we don't even have a championship game appearance because of how janky ass building of our roster we've done because of how we didn't build an offensive line and got Romo killed basically for four years straight until his body completely broke down right as you were kind of on the cusp like Dak in 2016 was sensational as a rookie But part of me will wonder, man, if we hadn't gotten Romo killed for like three of the past four years going into that, I wonder what 2016 would have looked like with Romo and Zeke and the rest of those guys.
0: Or how about if they, you know, here's the thing. Okay. Now we see how Dak is right. Dak Mm -hmm. is a, he's by the books guy, right? Mm -hmm. He ain't never trying to ruffle no feathers. So in hindsight now, why didn't they play Romo in the playoffs? Because Dak would have easily took a backseat to it because he would have known I'm the future. I'm not tripping yeah. off this. Go ahead, Romo, take this. See, now we see how Dak Prescott is because I feel like Dak wouldn't have tripped off that because he understood he was a rookie and Romo was the man. I held it down for you. Take over. I'll be there. I feel like Dak would have been like that. So in hindsight, you could have played Romo in them playoffs. He was healthy enough to do it. And in, at the end of the day, he still wasn't going to have three or four more years playing with the Dallas Cowboys. No, we do. Romo was going to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be over anyway. So, you know, but that's, there goes it. one of my lights.
1: <laughs> ah! um, yeah, no, it's uh, that that's a valid point for sure. And we know in the case of, um, of Romo that. Yeah, he, Jerry was the last one holding out hope for that. Jerry was literally going, we were practically going into like the last couple of weeks of the season before the playoffs. And Jerry was still talking about like, wouldn't it be a great story if Romo came back just in time for the playoffs and led us to a Super Bowl? Like he was still entertaining it. That might've been like the turning point of when Steven essentially won the argument, got the way with the pivot and then just it stayed. And I was very much at, on, uh, on Team Dak at that point, just like, look, dude, you can't have this guy come in and do everything he's done. You can't have the team rally right, around right, him and respond right. to him to the point oh, where even no, Des like to
0: the like point where too. even
1: Dez is saying like, Nah, man, like it's it's Dak. You can't mm-hmm. have that and then turn around and be like, All hey, right, Romo. Tony, come come out here and take over. Like you can't change the uh, the engineer. Like, if it's a train, you can't change out your engineer uh, at that point. Maybe that's a terrible analogy because it trains on no, a not, fucking No, track. not
0: really. Because, like I said, <laughs> what, what's a more Romo complicated always, thing to steer? Tony Romo always lacked the leadership part. He yeah. always he had talent, but he lacked the leadership that Dak did, and everybody gravitated toward that because obviously they were missing that in the locker room because they said Romo was aloof. Yeah, you know, he just played the game and went home, kicked it with his peoples, and he ain't mess with nobody else. And when you're the quarterback, I don't care, dog. You can't do that. You can't be a quarterback of a team, especially Dallas Cowboys, throw for four, four some yards or whatever, whatever, and just go to the crib and don't talk to nobody. People are going to be looking at you like, what the hell is wrong with this dude?
1: Right, They are. Right, Yeah. So the, the point of all that was just the Cowboys haven't really been serious about capitalizing on the talent they've had. And they've had the talent they have had in the last 15 years has been Staggering at some of these positions, and the fact that you wasted all of the Romo era and aren't doing a great job really investing properly in the DAC era is concerning like, mm-hmm. really concerning. So, we'll see. I'd say they figure it out, but uh, they're not, they're not out, gonna bro. figure it out. No. out no, no, I mean, Steven steven it's not like steven's new to this job right he's been mm, he's here he's been he's been there been, he's, been he there. he's watched in this. It. He's seen he's it, he built it. his There's philosophy no and he's yeah. set in his ways yeah, yeah it, just- it'd be one thing if it's like all right well we brought in this gm and you know eh, he's not really he's kind of picking it up as he goes that'd be one thing you're like ah uh, that seems like a bad hire but at least he can grow into it and maybe figure out like okay let me reevaluate and be self-aware i don't see that with steven so We'll see. Just, I, and, we're going in circles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Well, and, and, and when we end up with this, I just want to say this. Jerry would have known he'd have
1: fired anybody else with the job that he was doing. Yeah, 100 percent Not even a question. <laughs> I, I think he even I think he even acknowledged that in an interview at some point. Like, all right, if you had a general manager all this time and this was his record in 25 years in his resume, would you have kept him around? And he basically was like, he gets it. He was basically like, Well, no, but. I'm in this case, I'm the general manager. Right, so I'm obviously I'm not going to fire myself. myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah It's like, yeah, no, it, it's a double standard, but it's me. Like, what am I going to do? Fire me? No, it's my, it's my playthings. It's my team, my franchise. I do whatever I want with it. So yeah, it's a painful life in existence of a Cowboys uh, fan. They, they sold their soul for the dynasty of the nineties. Jerry did. And uh, we are, man, at some point, that's got it. You would just think statistically at some point it's got to swing back your way, but, uh, who knows how long that's going to be. Cause I wouldn't have expected a quarter century. I can't, I, I really came into to watching this every week in like, Oh, two, Oh, three. I was like, Oh man, pff, should be like in the next few years. Right. No, nah, man, <laughs> I'm I'm 32. I'm 32. And I'm just like, uh, can I just see a conference championship game? <laughs> like, yeah, you came
0: in in the dark ages with Dave Campo. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. This yeah, is tough. You might
0: be a true Cowboys fan if you came in the dark ages. You're still here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I basically picked my favorite NFL team when I was like 11, and I've been mad about it ever since. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it ruined my life ever since. But uh, that's life, <laughs> I guess.
0: It is what it is. But, hey, man, another great episode, man, for Positively yep. Relentless. Episode nine in the books. More Mavericks talk. Jalen Brunson, Cowboys training camp. Make sure y'all check us out. Uh, like I said, I'll be down at uh, training camp that the first week of August. I'll uh, Make sure we get some live good takes out there and see what these young rookies are looking like. Dak Prescott, they said he's in shape, bendy. We'll see all that. And then the Tony Pollard might be in the slide. We'll, we'll see all this stuff that they've been talking about. We'll see if it actually happens. So make sure you check on that. And uh, make sure you stay tuned. Draft is coming up. You know, will Draft the is tomorrow night. Be? Right. You know what I'm saying? So will the Mavericks get anybody else? Is this it? So a lot of storylines that's going to be coming up. So make sure you continue to keep on tuning in for Positively Relentless. We're going to keep on growing this thing. So for you myself, feel- DDP. Dallas prospect, big game, James, man. We out and we're going to be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.